Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Good morning, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Thank you for joining me for a time of prayer and reflection on the Holy Word of God. Let's put ourselves in His presence. You can leave your prayer intentions in the comments as always. Let's pray for one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we come before you humbly today, repenting of our sins, eager to hear your Word, ready to spread it, and striving every day to live it faithfully. Help us to defend life above all, Lord God, aware of the price of innocent blood shed on our land. We must answer for it. Enlighten us about what your word says in regard to that truth today. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And that is the theme we're going to draw from the scriptures today. Let's look at this reading from the Gospel according to Luke. The Lord said, Woe to you who build the memorials of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Consequently, you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them, and you do the building. Therefore the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute, in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. Woe to you, scholars of the law! You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. <clears throat> Notice the, the theme here. It's called blood guilt, that a generation today can be responsible for all the blood shed in the past, or the blood shed from a particular time in the past up to the present. This is coming from the lips of Jesus Christ. That innocent blood that is shed has to be accounted for. This brings us all the way back to Abel, the first murder ever committed. Sadly, a brother murdering a brother. Cain spoke to his Abel, his brother, Genesis 4, verse 8. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth 
to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Notice, Abel cannot speak anymore. He's been killed, but his blood continues to speak. God hears it, and what does He do? He asks for an accounting from Cain, and then He punishes him. When blood, innocent blood, is shed on the land, everyone on the land needs to answer for it. If you go to Washington, D.C., and you see the Lincoln Memorial, one of the great monuments there that every American should take time to, to visit together with the other special monuments in our capital city. On the interior north wall of that particular memorial, you have a short speech of Lincoln inscribed on the wall. It's his second inaugural address. He actually refers in that address, this is of course at the time of the Civil War, to the doctrine of blood guilt that we hear about here, starting in Genesis, that we hear about in today's Gospel from Luke 11. Listen to what President Lincoln said, because he said, you know, this country, let me summarize his words first and then read them to you. He said, this country has shed the blood of slaves, has lashed the slaves. And that's sinful, and that's wrong. You think God isn't going to answer, require us to answer for that blood? And he said, maybe the lives taken by the sword in our civil war are reparation for the blood shed from our slaves. Listen to how he says it. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled up by the bondsmen 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, as was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The doctrine of blood guilt. One more passage, and then I want to apply it to our present day. Deuteronomy 21. I refer to this passage frequently. Let me just read it for you. If in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, someone is found slain lying in the open country, and it is not known who killed him, then your elders and your judges shall come out, measure the distance to the surrounding cities, and then it describes them coming together, offering a, uh, a sacrifice of an animal, and then the priests coming forward. Uh, and let me pick up there. And all the elders of that city nearest the slain man shall wash their hands, and they shall testify, Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it shed, except atonement, O Lord. For your people, Israel, whom you have redeemed, and do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people, Israel, so that their blood guilt, their blood guilt might be atoned for. So you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. There's a guilt in our midst, on the land, among the people. They're asking forgiveness. They're asking atonement for a sin that they're saying they didn't even commit. 
You see the doctrine here? Jesus is saying in this passage, the guilt of the generations accumulates, accumulates, accumulates. God is very patient. He waits very long. But as Lincoln said, the judgments of the Lord are altogether just. He's going to ask an accounting for the blood. And people will say, oh, but what about God's mercy? What about God's mercy? Of course. If He weren't merciful, we would have been obliterated a long time ago. He gives us a chance to repent. But repent we must. And answer for the blood we must. The letter of the Hebrews is beautiful on this, right? You read the letter of the Hebrews and it refers to the blood of Abel. And it says, we have blood of another innocent person that fell to the ground that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. Abel's blood spoke out to God, cried out to God. Jesus' blood cries out to the Father. Father, forgive them. There is a blood that speaks more eloquently, but you see, there's the judgment of the Lord. The mercy and the judgment of the Lord are together. The blood had to be atoned for. The blood of Abel and all the innocent who are are killed. That's why the Son of God shed His. We always have to... the, The crucifixion of Christ doesn't take away our responsibility to answer for shed blood that drops onto the ground in our midst. And brothers and sisters, we, that's why we, we have to flee to the blood of Christ. We have to run to the cross of Christ. And so in our day, it's abortion. And so in our day, the land is flowing with blood. And so in our day, for every innocent child ripped apart in the womb and thrown in the medical waste, there must be an accounting. There must be an answer. I'm just talking biblically here. And we answer for it, brothers and sisters, when we vigorously, covered in the blood of Christ ourselves, because we can't justify ourselves, and this is not a God of vengeance, but covered in the blood of Christ, which is the sign of His mercy, we defend these lives. That's the point. It's not to despair and, and, and shrink back in horror and say, oh, God is going to punish me. No, it's to say, I'm going to get up in the spirit of Christ and washed in the blood of Christ, and I'm going to recognize my responsibility for that blood that was shed, even if I didn't have the abortion, even if I didn't encourage the abortion. Maybe I even tried to stop the abortion, but I'm still living on the land, and the land has been stained with innocent blood. And you know what? I'm not going to let that go unrequited. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to speak up, And for every life that was taken, I'm going to strive to save a life. And for every voice that was stifled, I'm going to be their voice. And for everyone who said, this is my body, I can kill this baby, I'm going to say, this is my body given up for you. And I'm going to say it in service, and I'm going to say it in union with Jesus. And I'm going to save lives, and I'm going to lead those that have had abortions to the mercy of Christ. This is what I do every day. This is what our ministry does every day. This is what so many of you do every day. This is what our whole movement does every day. And brothers and sisters, these readings today, this roots us deeply, doesn't it, in our pro-life response. I remember a a religious brother that I met in the course of one of my many travels came up to me one day with a a very fascinating question. And I've never quite gotten the, the actual numerical answer to this question. It would be interesting for doctors to try to figure out. He said, how much blood has been shed? He said, what is the actual quantity of blood that has been shed 
by all the, the, the abortions. I mean, how much in terms of gallons, in terms of, 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 of thousands of tens of hundreds of thousands of gallons, millions of gallons, how much blood has been shed? And that question that that religious brother, who no doubt meditates every day on the shed blood of Christ and knows this doctrine of blood guilt because it is a widely ignored but strongly biblical teaching, that question has reverberated in my mind ever since. It was decades ago that I met the man. How much blood has been shed? Let that question resonate in our hearts and spur us on every day to do more than we've ever imagined we would do to save these babies from abortion. Father, we come to you renewed today, enlightened by your word, challenged by its teaching, and ready to respond. Lord, as we come to you, we intercede for one another and all the needs that we have. But we place above and before all these needs the lives of your most vulnerable children. May we protect them. May we be their voice. May we, washed in the blood of Christ, stand up and speak up for their blood, especially those who are yet still in danger of being killed. May we save them. And now we turn to the Father and pray the words that Jesus himself gave us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks, friends. For all life leader, Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Thanks for praying with me. Thanks for delving into the scriptures with me. Spread the word to others about these programs. And we will talk to you soon. Dear young people, I greet you all in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. On October 22nd, we observe the feast day of St. John Paul II, the Pope of Life. And here at Priests for Life, we have a novena starting on October 14th. And we invite you to say a daily prayer in thanksgiving for John Paul II, which you can find at prayercampaign.org. I'm going to pray that prayer with you now, and in the presence of this beautiful relic, which is some of his blood on a piece of the last cassock he wore. This was given to us by Cardinal Stanislaw Jeevish, who was his personal secretary throughout his pontificate. So we in the pro-life movement especially look to John Paul II for continued encouragement and prayers and, of course, teaching from his beautiful document, Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life. Let's pray now in honor of this great saint, the Pope of Life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father and Lord of life, your Son, Jesus Christ, conquered the power of death by his own death and resurrection, and made us the people of life, called to proclaim, celebrate, and serve the Gospel of Life. 
praise you for the gift of life, the first and most fundamental gift you give us, and the foundation of all our other rights. We thank you for raising up St. John Paul II, the Pope of life, and for his teaching and witness to life's value. Grant that we may respond to his call to bring an end to abortion, euthanasia, and all assaults on human life, and to unite in a great campaign in support of life. Bring us a culture of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.